Let's pray one more time. We'll jump into the message this morning. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the gathering of your people despite the setbacks that come with storms. But you are good and you are faithful, God. And while everything was falling down around us, including the trees and potentially some of the structures that were around us, God, our faith stood and you stood with us. And we are grateful for it, God, and we are, we are blessed because of it. And Lord, may our witness be even stronger as a result of it. Continue to bless us this morning, Father, as we've gathered here to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, what's, there's a word that's become synonymous with, this, this, with hurricane and perhaps with storms. And it's a word that, that we heard throughout the, the news broadcasts and, and everything that was going on with this storm. And I'm sure it was heard during other storms, during other hurricanes. But it seemed to just echo and reverberate more and more and more throughout this Irma scenario. And that's the word hunker. Hunker. <laughs> kind of a weird little word. In fact, why don't you say it with me on three? One, two, three. Hunker. We need all 100% participation. One, two, three, hunker. Yeah, and you probably even texted it to friends and loved ones that were checking on you. You said, we're hunkered down. We're hunkered. We're, we're getting ready for this storm. I know I found myself using that sort of language, you know, hunker, hunkered, or hunkering, you know. It was all over the news and everything. What was interesting, too, is that uh, during the, uh, you leading up to the storm Saturday night and, and Sunday, Sunday night and so forth, you would see people post photos of where they're hunkered down, especially Sunday night. As the storm was coming in, it was tracking towards us. If you still had cell service and could look on social media or whatever, um, you could see people, they were in their laundry rooms. You say, who was in a laundry room? Anybody get in the laundry room? Oh, wow, you guys were just brave. You're like, we don't care. We- I saw people in their laundry rooms. I saw people um, in, in closets. Who got in a closet? Anybody get in a closet? What are y'all, not afraid of anything? <laughs> we don't care. We'll get blown away. It's like, there are people in closet. Your closet was too small? <laughs> get in there anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, we, I put my kids in the closet. My teenagers, they were so embarrassed. No, no you got to get in the closet. Get in the closet, right? Uh, I saw people, um, you know, in the, there's like, there's look, like a little space underneath your stairwell and there's like a closet. I saw people, you know, with their kids in there, they had their blankets and their pillows and, and they even had helmets on their kids, man. They were hunkered and protected and ready for the storm to blow through. And I couldn't help but think that perhaps, um, you know, this, this idea of hunkering would provide a little bit of a backdrop for what we could talk about this morning. In fact, I, I looked up the word hunker, and I'm going to put it on the screen for you. I looked up the word, and I want you to kind of read what it means. And that first one says it's uh, to squat or crouch down. So when you hunker, you kind of, you know, you get in a place where you can kind of get down low so that, you know, you're not hit by anything. And then the next one says that to take shelter in a defensive position. Yeah, that's, that's what a lot of us kind of had to do. We had to kind of think about how we're going to protect ourselves, protect our property, protect the things around us, protect our loved ones. And so we, we kind of hunkered and we sheltered in the place that we were. And then uh, apply oneself seriously to a, to a task, right? And you get really focused when a storm is coming, right? You're like, oh, oh, wait a second. They, they said it's gonna, the eye is going to hit Apopka. And what happened at all the stores? Yeah. 
How many of you waited in line for gas? Now, I know that happened to you, right? You waited in line? Yeah, you waited in line for gas? Waited in line for some water? Yeah. You're going to stock up on water now every time you go to the grocery store, aren't you? Yes. Because what happened was everyone got really focused and serious about making sure that they were taking care of themselves, taking care of their loved ones, loved ones, and taking care of the property that they own. Everyone got focused when you, when you have to hunker down. And so I thought to myself, I said, that's a, that's a pretty profound, really, illustration of kind of where we are, I think, as a church. And please, here's a disclaimer. Don't take what I'm about to say and the message that you're going to hear this morning as, a, um, as permission to ignore the authorities and the people who help to keep us safe, right? Our governor was on TV constantly saying, people, get to a safe place, hunker down, get to a safe place, make sure your loved ones are taken care of. If you need to evacuate, evacuate. So don't take what I'm about to say in this message as permission to ignore taking care of yourself and so forth. This is, this is not about that. This is not about that. But what I am challenged with as we come out of this storm and with the word hunkering echoing in my mind is the idea that perhaps the church in the midst of all the spiritual storms that swirl all around us, including right here in our own community, is it possible that we've hunkered down and hunkered down to the extent that, that we're still sort of hunkered and cowered low, protecting ourselves, sheltering ourselves, to the extent that we become ineffective in a world that's being deeply, not just a world, but a community that's being deeply broken by storms. You know, there, there are all kinds of things that sort of swirl around our culture and our world and even our community. And I wonder to, to a certain extent, as, as much as it, is, as it is important for us to sort of protect ourselves as a community, to protect our children and so forth, I, I get that. Don't, I'm not, I'm not talking about that, but... But is it possible that the, that the church can shelter in place and become less effective? Is it possible that the church can become so self-protected and so, so, so barriered around, so protected and so forth and so hunkered that, that we forget about our place and our calling to not just run and cower and in a protective sort of mode and to hunker down, but actually to step into the storms and to engage where there's brokenness and pain and hurting. Now, you see that I've moved from the physical realities of the storm to a more unseen sort of storm reality, right? I mean, that, that's really where our focus is. We're a church community. We're a spiritual body. And, and really, Scripture calls us that when the winds of strife and of turmoil and all kinds of stuff begin to, to rear their ugly head and the storm forces are profound and powerful, that the church doesn't just cower in fear and go into protective mode and hunker down. But that, in fact, the church rises up. The church steps to the forefront. And, and I'm going to get there in a moment, but I want to take you to a passage because a lot of times when we talk about this sort of spiritual reality that in the unseen world, of, we, of, we often quote Paul 
And we quote that passage that talks about how we, we battle against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We often quote that passage, but I want to take you to a passage that Jesus used to describe this tension that exists in the culture and in the world in which the church exists Today, he was speaking to his context, but I think it applies to us. He was speaking to a larger spiritual tension that exists. Matthew 11 and verse 12. Listen to this. Matthew 11, 12. Jesus says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. It's a rather provocative text when you think about it. But here Jesus is sort of identifying this tension and the reality of a storm that exists already. And it's touched your life. As the physical storms have impacted our lives this morning, we all can think about that. But the reality is the spiritual storm has also impacted our lives in many, many, many different ways. And I don't know in what way that you're reeling from that this morning, but we can most assuredly we can be certain of the fact that in some way you've been impacted. Loss of a job, loss of a relationship, loss of health. The storms impact us in profound ways. And Jesus spoke to it. Jesus spoke to us and, and spoke to it. And we talked about this last week. Pastor Jeff and I were up here and we talked about in the midst of our storms. I just want to reemphasize this. In the midst of the storms that you and I encounter in the spiritual realm, we keep our eyes on Jesus, right? If there's ever a place where we need to hunker, we hunker down in the faith. Don't discard the faith. Don't lose hold of the faith. Hang on to the faith. Keep your eyes on Jesus, right? Regardless, whatever the storm is, we keep our eyes focused on him. Nevertheless, we are still collectively, corporately as a body faced with the reality of the fact that we can go into protective mode and we can hunker down and we can, become, uh, we can become less of a light and less of an impact in a culture and in a world that's being dramatically impacted by all sorts of storms. So these were the questions that I was challenged with. And I hope that you, they challenge you. This thing has been sort of mulling over in my mind even long before Irma came along, but, but especially since Irma. These are kind of the questions that in the midst of the storm, in the midst of a community that's being impacted by spiritual forces, these are the questions that came to my mind. What if there was no storm last week? What if there had not been an Irma? Would we have just sort of remained in the same place, would we be compelled to go out into our communities had there not been a storm? If everything was just calm and normal and everything was hunky-dory, would we be as compelled? How many of you this week, and this is true for me, I had, I had more conversations with neighbors this week than I ever have, right? Because we were all kind of thinking about the same sort of a thing. And when I walked outside and I saw my neighbor, he had like five five-gallon jugs of gasoline and he was getting out of his car. I was like, hey, here's the opportunity. Dude, why you got so much gas, right? Well, I understood, you know, what was going on. He's got a generator. He's got to keep that generator going. But we talked for about 10, 15 minutes. 
I learned more about him in those few moments than, than I had, right? I've seen him go in and out of his house over the, over the months and years that we lived in the same place. Never had a conversation. If there had never been a storm, would we be as compelled to engage the community around us? If there are no more storms, we live in Florida, I know that's foolish thinking, all right? But if there are no more storms, what is it that would compel us to engage the people around us, to be involved in the, with the, in the lives of the people around us who are being impacted by not a physical storm, but an invisible storm? That was the question on my mind. That's the question that I grapple with. You understand, my, in my capacity as a pastor, I have to think about that. Because I have to lead the people, I have to challenge the people, I have to be compelled myself to engage and to go and to be challenged to touch people's lives who are being impacted by things that are constantly always here. The second question was this, why does it often take crisis before the church becomes activated? Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's true in our lives personally, right? We don't really address something until it becomes an issue. We will avoid that thing. I mean, unless it's on fire, baby, I'm not touching it, right? It's kind of like me and my, my vehicles because I'm not a mechanic. If a light comes on on the dash, I'm like, oh, Lord, well, let's just keep driving and maybe it'll work out, right? <laughs> my family's laughing because they know it's true. Like, I will, and I will get out of my car, and you know how you're supposed to put oil in the car? I put oil, I anoint my car. I'm like, Lord, just bless it. Because <laughs> I don't know if we're going to make it, <laughs> right? But I won't, I won't deal with an issue. I won't address a problem until it becomes a crisis. And all I'm saying is I think the God of the universe calls his people, he calls the community of the faithful into the storms, into the invisible storms long before the physical storms arrive. The God of the Bible calls his people to, to come together and see how we can speak into, step into the lives of people. And rather than take a posture of hunkered downness which separates us from and keeps us from engaging. He calls us to go into the storms and the storminess of the lives of the people around us. There's a sociologist by the name of Amy Sherman, and uh, she's part of a think tank um, that's based, I think, somewhere in Texas. But anyway, she, she talked about um, she, she talked about this. She says there are basically three models for interacting with the society that Christians tend to have when interacting with society. She says this. She says fortification, accommodation, and, do and domination. Fortification, accommodation, and dom domination. This is how we posture ourselves towards the communities in which we exist. And so she puts it in rather layman terms. She says, we basically hunker down amongst ourselves, water down our witness, or beat down our opponents. Those are pretty strong, but in a lot of cases, accurate words for how we interact and how we deal. All right. And so the challenge that rests on my heart is how, what, what does it take for us to begin to think more intentionally a bit, and more broadly about how we become a part of the place where we live. And I'm not talking, you know, the, the world. I'm talking about this world, this sphere 
of influence, the one right out there on 436 and beyond. And here's the posture. It's not so much a hunkered posture, but I actually believe it should become more heroic, more heroic. And in order for us to become more heroic, we have to, we have to come together and we have to devise a plan. Right? We have to kind of come together and be intentional about this sort of thing. I'm going to share with you a passage in just a moment that I want you to hear. Um, but in order for us to be heroic instead of hunkered, we have to get together, and maybe the appropriate word is huddle. Huddle. You know what happens in the huddle, right? Football season just kicked off. That's relevant for some of you, I understand. Maybe not for all of you. But what happens in a huddle is you devise a plan. You come up with a strategy because we got to get the ball in the end zone. And so the church, we're not in the football business, we're in the faith business and the bringing people to understand the person who can be the shelter in any storm of their lives. How do we get people across the goal line of faith and into the community of faith? And how do we do that in the midst of the craziness and the whirlwinds of the storms of their lives? Those are the questions that we're challenged with. And it takes a heroic mindset from us and it takes a commitment to saying, let's come together. Let's huddle together because amongst all of you, there's a collective, uh, under, there's a collective uh, power, there's a synergy, there's, there's, there's talents and there's gifts and there's, there's the capacity to think and the plan and the strategize and you use that in your nine to five job and what I want to say, the church has to leverage it on your, sat- on your Saturday job, the Sabbath job and that is to be a minister, Right? And that's the challenge that we face. So a couple of passages that I want you to look at with me. I'm going to run through these fairly quickly. John chapter 17, verses 15 through 18. And Jesus spoke these words to his disciples. Or he prayed over his disciples as they were um, right before they got into the upper room. Uh, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. That's the one who causes all the storms in our lives. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So you see these stories of the disciples in particular. They had a tendency to hunker at different times of their life. These are the called people. These are the people that decide, hey, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. You are our guy. And they had a tendency to hunker down, which I found very, very, very interesting. So here they are, hunkered down. Remember, they were in the upper room with Jesus, and that was probably a fairly tenacious place. Uh, That was a tough spot because you had Judas there. But after the resurrection, notice this, John chapter 20, verses 19 through 21. They're kind of hunkered down here. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, they were afraid of the storm that Jesus had created, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, check this out. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I am sending you. Here's another. Let me give you one last example, and then I'm going I'm to wrap it up. From the book of Acts, Right? So Jesus has ascended now back to heaven. But before he left, he told his disciples, just hang tight. 
Don't go anywhere, don't do anything. Essentially, Jesus said, hunker down. And for the next 10 days, the disciples hunker down in a room. And I, and I bet, I imagine that they spent a lot of time praying. They spent a lot of time um, praying and worshiping together. They pressed together, they supported each other, they nurtured, they, they were there for each other. But you know what else I think they were doing? Because God had already told them, Jesus had already sort of uh, built the platform for them. He said, look, you're going to be my people, you're going to go out, you're going to come out of this storm, you're going to come through this storm, and you're going to go out and impact right here in Jerusalem and beyond. That's what he would tell his disciples. So you hang here, you hang here in Jerusalem, and I'm going to give you further instruction. But you know what they did for those 10 days? As much as they prayed together, as much as they worshiped together, I bet you, I bet you they planned together. They planned because their hearts and their souls were stirred about how they had to get out there and talk to people about the one that is faithful through any storm. They were thinking, they were chomping at the bit, let us go. We got it, God. We, we heard you when you prayed over us. Let us go into it. We get it. We get it. And we, we understand. We've been through it. It's been tough. But let us get at it. We heard the mission. We've heard the commission. God, let us go. So they prayed and they sang, but they planned. In other words, their little room became a mission command center. <laughs> that little room came the place where visions were born to impact people's lives. And yes, what I'm saying this morning is that the church has to be that place. It's not just a place for the saints to hunker down and to wait out the storms until the clouds part and Jesus comes down. Right now, this room, this sanctuary is a place, these rooms along the side is a place where we develop and we prepare to deploy disciples into the storms that rage in the communities all around us. That's, that's, what, our, that's what we're called to do in the midst of of these storms. And listen to what happens. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is the disciples on the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. The way Jesus deals with the storms that impact people's lives is he creates another storm called the wind of his spirit. And every Christ follower and every believer is, is given the spirit of God. But not just to protect and, and to keep you safe, but to demonstrate and to share the peace that you know with someone around you who's going through life's storms. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that were separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. One last passage. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That, I mean, I'm still challenged by those questions, man. What if there had been no storm? I'm still challenged with, with the notion of why do I only respond and get activated when there is a storm? 
And I think the church should be challenged by that as well. It will demand, it will absolutely demand that we take on more of a heroic attitude because we've been called, we've been commissioned. That will demand that we huddle, that we come together, that we press together, that we intentionally come up with a plan on how we impact those around us. That will demand more of us than most of us are willing to give. Nevertheless, it is the challenge of our times. Because this church isn't simply to be a place where we hunker down low and wait for Jesus to return. This, my friends, is mission command. This is the place where we develop and we deploy. This is, this, is, this, is, um, this is the strategy center. This is the boardroom. This is the planning center. This is, here, a better illustration. I'm going to close with this. This is the bat cave, baby. Because <laughs> that's where they come up with it. In the bat cave, remember Alfred? He assisted Batman. He assisted the hero. And we are the church. And this is the place where we come together and we strategize and we devise and we come up with the coolest ideas and the best plans so that we can create a storm of God's spirit that rushes through in a community to impact lives for the kingdom of God. So if this is the bat cave, that means Pastor Jeff is Alfred, right? <laughs> God's called us to be heroes. And huddled together. And by his spirit, we have an impact. So yes, we've come through a physical storm. But there are lessons there that we can learn for the spiritual realm. And I pray, I pray that it will move us to become so much more. That God will bless all of our efforts to his glory. Father, thank you for this time. May your spirit move across each and every one of us. May we contemplate, but not too long, because, Lord, you called us to action. May we think, but may we move faster to figure out, God, how we can be, how we can be your people in the midst of the storms of people's lives, and even our own. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. See you.